0: Welcome to That Mom Life. It is Sarah Jordan. And today I am joined by probably my longest radio friend of my life. And we call each other Radio BFFs. This is my friend Fallon. And I'm so excited for Fallon to be on because you are a big shot radio host in Minneapolis for KDWB. (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) I'm honored to be on your podcast.
0: Well, I'm so honored to have you. You also have a podcast and your
1: podcast is called Heartbroken, correct? It is. Yeah, it's uh basically I've had it going for a couple of years now almost and it's the idea is just to have people on sharing their stories of heartbreak. And it's mostly relationships, but sometimes um I've had people who've lost their partners or um lost a child. Uh, But primarily we focus on relationships and it's not me giving advice. It's me listening to their story because I found that like when you go through heartbreak, especially like in a relationship, you want to talk about it all the time. And then you feel like you're annoying your friends and family. Um, That's true. But you want to talk about it. So I give them that space and it's kind of therapeutic for them. And then people that listen get to hear other people have similar stories to them Uh, and they feel a little less alone. So that was kind of the idea behind it. And you, I just saw posted,
0: you've reached over a million downloads. Is that what I read accurately? Yeah,
1: I was. I randomly saw it because there's like a, I don't know what you use, but I go in and upload my episodes and it has statistics and I've never really looked at it, but someone asked me the other day, they're like, where are you getting most of uh, the majority of your listens, et cetera. And then I saw the big number at the top and I was like, holy cow, I've had like 1.4 million downloads of this thing.
0: So let me re- re- like rewind back to when I said Fallon's a big deal. Um, <laughs> <I've-> <laughs> it, all, it all started actually back in Evansville, Indiana, a tiny yeah. little town right in the, I'll call it like the little foot corner of Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I went to the university of Southern Indiana, USI for radio and TV, which most people don't realize is an accredited communication school, just like IU and ball state. And, When I got there, first day of uh, class, I had Dr. Rinks, who is still a mentor of mine and I still talk to. And he was like, if you want to join the radio station, come downstairs and you can get credit if you do a show. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. I thought I wanted to be like Diane Sawyer. But I walked downstairs to the AM820 studios. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And then that's where I met you was inside the basement of the liberal arts building in this little alternative rock radio station was my friend Fallon or my new friend Fallon.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I I'm how much older than you am I, Sarah? I'm what th- am I three years older or two? I graduated or what? In 2005. Okay. I did 2002. Okay. So okay. yeah, three years. I, yeah, I at that point I can only imagine what I was like because I started there my freshman year too. I think I was getting to the point of like ah uh, whatever, you know, because <laughs> you're you like were get in close a to whatever mode towards college
0: radio, but you were not that way towards the group of radio stations that you were working for, which was right. well at that time Kiss FM, and. Yes. So I met you then. And what was funny is that you and I both grew up in Southern Indiana and I didn't realize that at the time we grew up
1: in different parts of Southern Indiana, but I mean, you went to, you grew up in Sellersburg, right? Uh, mine, is, my town is new Washington. So okay. it's super tiny. Um, But yeah, I mean, we listened, both listened to DJX growing up, you know?
0: Which is what's so funny about it. And that's how small world it is. But we met each other in college radio. And then actually you were the one who first trained me how to run a board in like a real radio station studio when I became a part timer for Kiss in Evansville
1: in that little studio that was like a closet. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. I I didn't I didn't know that I was the first person to train you on that. That's like, that's a very cool thing. Yes, you were.
0: I mean, from as far as like a real radio studio for a radio company, you were the one who like brought me in and I was just a little part-timer and I only got to work for Kiss for about six months because then I ended up transferring out to IU, but ultimately transferring home because I got a full-time radio job in Louisville. Yeah. So that's how we bounced around. And I don't think a lot of people realize that when you're in media, if you want to move up in the industry. Most of the time, that means you have to move
1: markets. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people want, they mentally want to, but they can't do it. They just can't leave where they grew up or, uh, you know, or if they've been somewhere for a very long time, they don't want to leave because it's the comfort of knowing your surroundings and your people.
0: A hundred percent. And it's super hard for some people to be able to pick up and move across the country or maybe financially it doesn't make sense or there's kids involved in the situation. Whatever it may be, because I mean I knew that was when you and I were both going into more professional radio full time actually, you were already in it full time. I came back home to Louisville, not with the intention of staying, but I did just because of the way it worked out, but you were one of those ones that you were like, no, i 'm going to travel, so where all did you end up going in radio?
1: Yeah, I left uh after working in Evansville for a really long time. I was applying everywhere, and I ended up getting a job in Reno, Nevada, which I joke was of all the places I was applying was probably the lowest on my list that I wanted to go, but it was like the only one that gave me an opportunity to get out of Indiana and not like I was dying to get out of Indiana because I didn't like Indiana, but like you said, it's because you want to advance your career. And so I went to Reno, Nevada and I'm very thankful that they gave me that opportunity and I spent two years there. Um, and literally the date of my two year being in Reno, I started like to the exact day, which is crazy in Minneapolis. So I spent two years there and then I was able to get the job in Minneapolis, which was, you know, I had the goal of, okay, I want to get out of Indiana by this age. I want to be in a top 20 market by this age. And I, I met those goals before, you know, the age I had set. So I got to Minneapolis, Right around, I think it was twenty seven years old,
0: which truly is astonishing. So, radio market size, media market size. Obviously, you got New York, LA, Chicago, your big top three. Yeah. based on population, so Louisville is roughly market fifty four, fifty five. Reno was market two twenty.
1: Markets no. no, Reno was actually so. Evansville was like one sixty one ish, and then Reno was like one twenty one ish. Um, so. So In it was it was Minneapolis a step up. Is six, Minneapolis is 16. Is yeah. that accurate? So from 121 to 16. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those things where Minneapolis I think changes sometimes to like 15 and 16. So but it's yeah, basically
0: which is again, absolutely crazy. So Fallon and I, as you guys know, obviously from listening to radio stations in general, you've got your morning show hosts, you've got people on in the afternoon, but morning show anchors, they're truly the anchor of the station. They're what get people in They're where you've got your long-term shows running right there. And that's when you fell in, in Minneapolis with Dave Ryan, who
1: is a radio legend himself. Oh, he is. He's been on this... I mean, he's been in radio forever, but he's been on this station for 27 years, which is unheard of. Um, most people do not get the opportunity to stay on a station that long because it's kind of a... we, As we know, it's a it's a scary industry, but is. he is so good and has built such a brand and made that such a... I mean, KDWB was huge anyway, but he made it something totally different um so to come on to an already established show really truly i mean it set me up for success honestly so okay you work for a
0: top 40 radio station like djx so even more so the fact that for 27 years he has maintained being relatable with an audience for nearly three decades and you came in as a 27 year old fresh off a much smaller market.
1: Was there immediate chemistry, obviously, between the two of you? Yeah, it was immediate. Um, It was immediate from the, honestly, from the time he picked me up at the airport for my interview. And I remember listening to that because I knew who Dave was, but I didn't really regularly listen to their show. And so when I was, when I knew that the job was open, I started listening more and I could feel just listening how easy it would be for me to interact with them. And so I was like, okay, this is good. And it yeah, it was just pretty quick, honestly. And I was really amazed when I got the job to see how much work it was. Like it was night and day from what I was doing in my smaller uh, market radio station. And, and it was, kind of, it pushed me in ways I'd never experienced, which was really good and scary, but good.
0: In what ways was it that much different? Was it just the amount of like planning and preparation that went behind it or just like the thought process as to why we do something? Like what was the big change in between those?
1: The planning. Um, I went from a show that did, okay. So the show I was on, I was the co-host. That was the first time I was a co-host of a show. Um, in Indiana, I was like a third mic producer, so I moved up to that co-host position. And I I worked with a guy who he had done radio in a while for a while too, but also I don't know if he'd ever led his own morning show. And it was so it was very new to both of us. We were kind of figuring it out together, and we did um, what some people would call a lot of lazy radio. And that is going to be uh, if people are in the industry that it might um offend them to hear this, but it's where, um, and I didn't know it was, and Dave kind of told me it was, but it was where you do tons of, all right, here's the Kim Kardashian, uh, she says she swears by Spandex. Call in and tell us what you think about Spandex. So it's very like constant call out kind of radio, which is so like you take something in pop culture and you do a talk topic. So a talk topic is like, Hey, call in and converse with me. Now that's great to do, but we were doing a lot of that, which is almost like you're relying more on the listener to provide the entertainment than yourself. And I just thought, no, this is great interaction with listeners, which it is. But if that's the majority of what you're doing, then Dave kind of was like, that's pretty lazy radio, honestly. So I learned that very quickly um, because that's kind of where, so that's where my mind would go. Here, let's, how can we turn this into a talk topic? And not everything has to be a call out. Like things can be just a personal story that are, you know, funny to tell. So he really challenged me to make every idea I have better and to realize not every idea I have is good. So it was it, it, it's like spending so much time on any one thing. Like how can we make this, how can we make a game? How can we make this game more fun? How can we do this? How can we make this game topical? It's just like constant, um, I don't know, coming up with ideas and growing those ideas as a team. And I never spent so much time planning a show and we still do. Like I've been there eight years now and Dave, like I said, oh has been God. there 27 years. Yeah.
0: You've been there eight years? Yeah. Yeah. What? I cannot believe. Time is such a weird little thing. And especially in the radio industry, time is even more weird. So understand that like him being there 27 years, Fallon being there eight years, these are anomalies in our industry, especially even given 2020. Most people do not get the opportunity to stand still that long unless they're that good, which goes to show how much... Dave Ryan was willing to treat you as a team member, as somebody that you truly have a relationship with when you're stuck in a studio with them that early in the morning, first of all, they see you in all walks of life at that point. And you have to really trust that person and to have that long of a conversation daily. There is such a true chemistry that has to be there just like a real, I mean, it is a real relationship, but I mean like, just like a romantic relationship, it has to have that core chemistry there. Otherwise it just doesn't work.
1: Absolutely. And, um, and just to go, I mean, I'll pat Sarah on the back here too, because the thing is, is that, um, a lot of people will joke that, um, like I went to a party once two years ago with one of my husband's, uh, friends and then that friend's family was there. And the guy was like, Oh, radio must be so cool. Do you guys just like go in and like read Twitter and stuff? And I was like, yes, Uh I go in and I read Twitter for four hours and that's what my job is. And it just was so insulting, you know? And the point of any job in the world is when you see it and you're like, oh, that's so easy, I can do it. That's because that person is so good at their job that you think Mm -hmm. it's so easy that you could do it. So when you hear Sarah talk on the radio and perform like a great radio show, you're like, I could do that. My friends all think I'm funny. Well, maybe you could, but know that Sarah has put in hours of prep and work to make that show sound so like good and easy that you think you could do it, you know?
0: You know, it's, it's, (laughs) you're exactly right. I mean, in a lot of people, they, our industry has so many, it's a full running industry. It's not like, it's just people in a studio. There's multiple stations in a building. There's multiple jobs, people wearing multiple hats. I mean, I know I wear so many hats right now, but people don't realize to have that, one simple break on the air um to have that contest up on the website there are so many pieces and parts moving and obviously we don't sit around and talk about do you know what i do for my job we don't because that's not no. what we need to do but you are right there is a reason why and i know that that's something that i've run into a lot heck even in the podcasting realm there are people that are like oh i could launch my own podcast i want to do that i you should let me on the radio right
1: now i could do this and that and i'm like hold on hold on yeah <laughs> do, maybe you realize- could yeah but yeah. also Like, are you going to be consistent with it? Because consistency is key. Yes. That's the main thing with podcasting.
0: Do you know how to speak? Do you know how to interview people? Do you know how to carry on a conversation? Where are you getting your research? (laughs) Do you have the connections to get guests? Like there are so many pieces that go behind everything that we do. And I'm trying to remember what this one, I'm not going to call it. It's kind of like a meme, but it was like, you don't pay me for the time it takes, or you don't pay me for the hours in the day. You pay me for my years of service, more or less. Like if it takes me 10 minutes to do a five hour show, you pay me for the whole day just because it takes me 10 minutes. I shouldn't be penalized. That's because of years of work that's to the right. point where I can accomplish something in such a shorter amount, short amount of time. Um, I totally butchered that phrase, but you know what I'm getting at here. I so, totally I mean, do. That, yeah. But that's, that's very much our industry with what we do. And I mean, I've now well, been probably how. Go,
1: go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's probably how anyone listening is too, to your podcast. I mean, they, they probably are in the exact same boat. It's just a different industry. Correct. A hundred percent.
0: And so I've now been in Louisville since I started as an intern in 2006, which is super weird. It was the year after my freshman year at USI. So it is very odd that I know that I have stayed here and it happens to be my hometown, but life just works out in weird little ways. But Fallon and I have maintained a friendship throughout the years. I mean, still, as you were moving radio markets, I mean, even as recently as in quarantine, you and I were trying to figure out how to continue doing our podcast from home and trying yes. to help each other figure it out. And yeah. that's the really cool part about this industry and the fact that when people do move around the country the way that they do, you meet so many people and it really is a small world. So like, there's a lot of times people from the record label industry, they cover Minneapolis and Louisville. So I'll see some of the people I know sitting in pictures with you and it's very Mm -hmm. bizarre, but I love the small nature to this industry, which is why at a very young age, you and I both learned, like, you can't really burn bridges in this industry because everyone knows about your bridges.
1: (laughs) I do. And also because it's like a tight knit community, it's really, um, been, Powerful to reach out to certain women, um, yourself included, um, when I need help with something, but also like I've reached out to women in other markets that are kind of similar to mine about payment on things and how open they've been. Uh, Same, same, you know, with them coming, other people coming to me and how open I am with them to really help each other out. And It's been, I feel like if any, any other world, if I was like in advertising, I reached out to some woman in advertising in Detroit, she might be like, uh, no, bye. But it's a very different level of understanding and community, uh, in radio. In radio, it truly is just because
0: it's, it's a male dominated industry for the most part. Oh yeah, it Um, is. And whether it's the management realm or I'm the anchor, you are the co-host, you are the sidekick and I know I have certainly felt that when moving across when they're like, because I've been the program director, which is someone who runs a radio station. I've been that person too. And I've been traveling before and they're like, oh, you must be like the sidekick. You must be the music director. You must be this or that. I'm like, no, I run the radio station. And they're like, what? You're... You're 30 and you're female. I'm like, yep. And I've been in the industry for 12 years. Yep. So, it has been a very eye-opening experience the more that I've climbed up in different roles to see. So, I I totally understand what you mean that it's a weird industry in which there's this um we'll call it sisterhood uh in the industry because we are having somewhat similar experiences even though we might be in all different parts of the United States. So, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, As you were bouncing around, I know I've talked a ton about your professional life. As you were bouncing around, what was your relationship life like as you were bouncing around cities? Because that's got to be hard when you're like, "Um, I've been here, but I got to go. I'm moving back across the country again.
1: Yeah, um, I will be honest that I've been pretty selfish uh, through most of my career because I definitely always put my career before every single one of my relationships. I don't know why I'm like that. I don't – because I did not grow up like that. My mom was quite opposite. Uh, But I had a boyfriend when I was in Evansville. He moved to Reno with me. We eventually broke up uh, while living there. He moved back home. And then I had a boyfriend in Reno. And when I got the job in Minneapolis, it wasn't like, do you want to come with me? It was like, bye. And – I look back and then I'm like, man, that was cold. I kind of feel bad when I think about that, but I'm sure it was, you know, he moved on. He's good. Uh, So I moved here. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I moved here. So I, I just honestly put myself before those relationships. I don't, I, I think it was because I knew that that was more important to me at the time. And only until I met Jake and may and it's easier for me to say. Well, now I can put Jake first because now I'm in a comfortable position with my career that I'm happy with. You know what I mean? Like it's easier oh, yeah. to like. Oh, okay. Now the relationship is the priority, but but it is the. This is like the first time ever I've put my relationship before work. So, tell me
0: about Jake. Which, first of all, I do know stuff about Jake. Like he has fantastic hair. Fantastic he does, hair. yeah. every
1: for men and women desirable hair um (laughs) it's true he gets complimented everywhere he goes it's very annoying (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i have hair too hello compliment my hair what the hell and also fallon's
0: hair is gorgeous oh thanks um you guys are just a great hair family
1: um (laughs) how did you how did you meet jake bumble the lovely dating app which I love, by the way,
0: because I feel like so many people are like ashamed to say. But you know what? Once you reach a certain age and you're not going out and doing a bunch of
1: things, where are you supposed to meet people? So you met him on. Bondage. I know, I did. Yeah, I. So I was. So to be completely transparent, I was married before. Uh, it was a short marriage. Got divorced. And so when I down, when I was like, okay, what do I do now? I before I there I was never on dating apps because they didn't exist like of course there were things like plenty of fish and things like that a long time ago but I never did those because like you said I was kind of younger so I could meet people through work or through college or whatever that may be but now I'm like oh I'm an adult how do I meet people and so downloading the app was like kind of scary I was already really established on the radio here and so I'm like is that going to be weird to be on this app and like You know, and then when I matched with Jake, he's so attractive. I was like, he's using me for like concert tickets or something. I don't know. Uh, And he wasn't, thankfully. So it worked out.
0: So what's funny about that
1: is that like
0: that fear is real. When again, when you're in a weird industry and someone finds out your job, there's a lot of people that are like you're almost just like a status symbol, like ooh, yeah, you can get me into things, and or I'm in a band and you can get me on the radio or whatever it may be. And so I'm. Did he? How did he react to your job when he figured out who you were?
1: Well, he knew pretty quickly because I did not know how Bumble worked and I'm an idiot. And so. I look at that, I'm like, I must have looked so cocky because I didn't realize it just pulls in your information like directly from Facebook. So (laughs) I didn't realize you needed to go in and edit and create like this profile. I was like, oh, I'm set up. And when I looked at it later, because I was on it literally for like two days, I was on Bumble and met Jake. Jake was the second person I swiped on and had a conversation with. And that will annoy many people who are on those dating apps because they spend lots of time on them and meet a lot of jerks before they meet a good guy. And I got very lucky. But so we just pulled in, like, my name and my job. It's almost like I, it, I'm i sure to people looking at it, they're like, she doesn't even think she needs a bio because of who she is or something. <laughs> but it was because I was so stupid. I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know. Anyway, so he knew who I was immediately. And he had definitely listened to the show. Again, Dave's been here since he was a kid. You know what I mean? He grew up here, so he knows Dave's show. Did he listen religiously? I don't think so, but he had definitely heard me before. Uh, Knowing Jake now, I know he just doesn't care, (laughs) but you don't know that in the beginning. so
0: No. So he didn't really think of your job as like this status symbol. He just was interested in you as a person, and that's where your relationship formed.
1: Yes. I mean, I think he thought it was kind of cool, but- Yeah, that's, it was kind of like, you know, this, it was a normal, he found me attractive. I found him attractive. Okay. Let's see how the conversation goes. And I actually, for our first meeting, I invited him to a big station event because I had in my mind, like if this guy is super, this is going to sound bad, but super short because he looked so short in his photos, which by the way, he is short, but so am I, but I was afraid he was going to be even shorter than me. Um, and I just didn't want that. I don't know if that sounds terrible, but uh, I invited him to a station event so that if it sucked, I keep like, oh, I have to go work. I'm sorry. I'll see you later. Uh, but it ended up being so great. We talked all night. So
0: that's pretty ballsy. They <laughs> didn't <be> able <laughs> to invite him to a work event. Like, hey, although from a safety net, 100% agree with. This is a good idea. Just go ahead and invite him somewhere where you've got an easy out. Let's go. And there was no stress to, um, what do I do if this is not going well? I can't escape.
1: So oh, yeah, I, I was- gave him, yeah, two tickets. So he brought his sister and so he had like someone to hang out with. So did you know immediately, though, that you guys had a real connection? I think so. I think um, I knew I really liked him. And I know that when I left, he actually texted me. And so I knew he wasn't someone who was playing games of like, oh, I need to wait three days now or whatever. It was an immediate, like, I had a really nice time and I really hope we can see each other again. And then we went on like our first date to like a complete hole in the wall, uh, place that serves Mexican food. And we talked, The I don't know, it was just, it was pretty quick to know. Yeah.
0: You know, there is something to be said about the not playing games. When I met my husband, I was young, but I remember when we went after our first date, same thing. He texted me and immediately was like respectful and said he had a really good time. He wanted to set up another time that we could meet. And I was so relieved to not have to deal with the stress of, is he going to text me? Can I text him? Is it an appropriate time to call him? Should we wait a certain amount of days? There was none of that. It was just this immediate like common courtesy, I enjoyed myself. Let's go out again. And I mean, I think so many people spend so much time wasting time playing games when uh, if you're truly interested in each other, it's pretty apparent it should be from the beginning. Agreed. Totally.
1: So how long were you guys together before you guys got married? It was short. So realistically, I I've never wanted kids my entire life. Like there's never been, I was never the kid that came up with names for kids. I just knew I didn't, I was not the person who would have kids. And Jake has a son and I, something about watching him with his son, who is now 12 years old, he was nine when I met him. Um, I just remember being like, that's someone I could do this with. And things changed. And I just like, I want to have a kid. And realistically, my, I hate saying it, but I, I, you really do have this internal clock. And I started kind of getting a little bit nervous. Like, I don't want to be this old when she's this old. And what if, you know, it isn't easy to have a baby uh, because so many couples struggle with that. And so I was like, what if it takes a long time for me to get pregnant? Like, I I want to start sooner than later. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But, uh, so we had those real conversations decently early on and we agreed, I said, well, you know, we know we want to be together. So if we don't want to do a wedding first and he's like, no, I want to do it right, uh, this time because he wasn't married, uh, the first time. And he just, he's like, if we know we're going to be together, I want to be married before we have a baby. And I said, okay. So we honestly got married much sooner than we probably would have based on my age. I'm like, Two years older than Jake, and so not that I know that women can have babies well into you know like up in I don't even know what the cutoff age is, but they can have babies at forty, right? I was oh for sure, of course. Not but I was like out,
0: my aunt had a baby at age fifty naturally.
1: <gasps> oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> that, oh my gosh, um, so I I think that I was I don't know thirty three or thirty four, but. Uh, yeah, so we got married pretty quick and then we got pregnant, like, I think two or three months after we waited, like we got married in September and I think we tried in November and then we tried in December and we were very fortunate. We got pregnant in December. So we actually had Olive on September 15th and our wedding anniversary, the one year was September 21st. So it was very quickly after.
0: That's but again, you guys were up front. You spoke to each other. You knew what you wanted. I mean, again, there's like no games there. And you know what? I will say this. I I realize I have three children. I knew that I always wanted to have kids, for instance, but I was never one of those people that was a babysitter or that was always like, oh, let me hold your baby. I had never changed a diaper until I was in the hospital with my first child. I yeah never daydreamed about what my wedding was going to look like or um how many kids i was going to have or their names it was just one of those things like i wrote down my senior year of high school i want to be i want to have this type of job i want to drive this type of car i want to be done having kids by this age and married by this age it was a very loose plan um but i do think it takes you there's something that clicks with people and some people i know that don't have kids that are like i don't know if i have that maternal instinct and i'm like i think everyone does somewhere um if that's what you're looking for it just sometimes is it clicks into place because of someone else and yeah. i'm I'm sure that was amazing for you to watch him as a father because, I mean, obviously I'm basing this on social media. He seems like a wonderful dad because you now have your 12-year-old stepson and then now you have little Olive who is, what, nine months, eight months old? Nine months old?
1: She's eight. She'll be, n- yeah, nine on the 15th. Which is insane. I can't believe she's already that big. I know. But but it was kind of fun because you, know you and I were-
0: I know you and I, uh, Maggie's only two months behind you. She was born on November 8th. I had to think about that for a second. So just about two months younger. And it is pretty crazy having a baby in radio. I will say. Yeah. How, how did you feel like it, did it change you as a radio personality? Because you had been a persona for so long. Did becoming a mom change that for you?
1: I think it changed certain things for sure. I mean, obviously what I'm talking about now, I'm talking more about her. But I had a bit – I'll be honest. It was a little bit of a struggle for me because I was someone who had said for years on the radio I didn't want kids. And I think a lot of women who didn't want kids identified with me. And then when I changed my mind, I think they were – and I even had someone comment this. Like, I'm happy for you, but I'm selfishly sad because I loved finally having someone I had something in common with like that. Uh, because so many women do want to have kids, it's more rare to find someone who doesn't, I guess. And I totally understood that. And I kind of went through this change of like, I don't want to be the person who talks about my kids all the time. Uh, And like that's the only part of me I talk about. So I really wanted to focus on still being me, still being funny, still being someone who's Maybe I'm too old to be on TikTok, right? But I still want to like talk about that. Not just, oh, Olive had a crazy diaper situation. And so I, at first kind of, I think with identity struggled a little bit as to who I was going to be to still relate to a certain audience, but also realize I'm embracing a whole new audience, which is a great thing. And I think I still walk the line a little bit because sometimes I'll get like, uh, I shouldn't post this much about a baby on Instagram, but I love her so much and she's so cute. And then I'll be like, screw it. This is your Instagram page, Fallon. post what you want. And then I'll be like, ah, but I don't want to, you know, it's like anyone, if someone posts way too much, way too many photos of their outfits for that week, I'm like, all right, I get it. You have different outfits, you know? Um, so <laughs> I try to balance it and, uh, which is not the easiest. As far as like her well, schedule and everything, being a mom, that's actually not, hasn't been terrible. It's actually been pretty good because I do mornings I get off. I can see her in the middle of the day.
0: So I I think you actually just hit something on the head that I don't really think I've talked about much in my industry or in my personal life, like being on the air, you are obviously broadcasting things to your community and on social media, anybody can see it. So I know you and I both are people pleasers. Oh so, yeah. Cause I mean, I've even seen you post this. And I mean, you have
1: 80,000 Instagram followers. I want to say somewhere around there. It's like, yeah, it's it's like 60, whatever, something thousand. Yeah.
0: And so it, 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 there's a significant amount of people. When you ask for something, whether you want their opinion or not, you get it every single day. So it is really hard not to feel like I'm talking about this too much because I've been thinking about that lately too. I'm like, okay, I'm still perfectly in demo. Um, I know a ton of people have kids, but I thought, I think the same thing. I'm like, am I talking about my kids too much? But then I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm living my life. And this is my life right now, especially Mm -hmm. when you have a newborn, there is something that's so consuming in general about just trying to keep up with them because they need you for literally everything. So it's not, it's different when you get a little bit older and you get that more me time back. And so it is, that's why I was curious about how you felt about it. Because I know for me, there was a part of me that felt more myself as a mom, but I had to figure out who the the new me was.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, truly. It's, it's, and it's also a lot of the time, if you listen to a morning show, while, why they'll bring on a new quote unquote younger girl, right? Because you because obviously, well, I was never the girl who was going out to clubs and partying. I've never been that girl my entire career of radio because I, like, I just can't do shots. I mean, they disgust me. I am not that person. And I'm the person who leaves a party after one hour. I don't say bye to anyone. I'm always in bed between 9.30 and 10. And I've just always been like that. Even on weekends, Jake and I are like, well, it's 9 o'clock. Should we go to bed? So- uh, I didn't leave that persona behind. I think that might have been harder for me if that was who I was than the person I was. Cause, uh, but it was like, but you'll hear, you know, they'll bring a younger girl on who doesn't have kids, who still has that going out to bars or something personality because they want to still reach that audience as well and not be yeah. like, oh, this is the old person station. Everyone has babies now, you know, which is funny. That anyone would think that, but I mean, you have to have some, it's like when you watch a TV show, you find one person you relate to and you kind of, that's your favorite character, right? So that's how morning radio works as well.
0: It's funny you say that because I agree with you. I have, I I think there was a very, very, very brief stage of my life, maybe one year in which I was the girl that was like going out to the bar all the time, but I was like secretly doing it because of my job. I didn't want it to affect my work. So I, again, I was never that partier that was like, let me go on the radio and talk about getting drunk last night, hooking up with people. That was just not my style and never has been. So trust me, my idea of a good night right now is like the kids go to bed and my husband and I race to bed, find which terribly bad for a snack. We can eat in bed and rewatch an episode of the office or Schitt's Creek. Like that's ideally my perfect night, right? now. (laughs) Yes. So I, I I appreciate you saying that is so you don't get to see all of them in the morning, obviously, because you're going to the station,
1: right? So Um, since COVID happened, uh, or began, we did change our hours. So right now we're doing the show from seven until 11 and normally be six to 10. So when it was six to 10, I did not see her, but now I usually can see her in the morning. Uh, she gets up right around the same time I do. So, uh, we'll, you know, I'll change her morning diaper or Jake does whatever. And we get her dressed and I get to say bye to her. So that's been nice uh, seeing her in the morning. Cause she's the happiest in the morning. So there is
0: something truly magical. Actually, that's why I was running late to do our podcast this morning. Cause my daughter woke up, she slept in a little bit and she always wakes up with this like giant smile on her face. Yes. And it is something- it's so cute. It is so cute. I, after my daughter Kennedy, I had to fill in mornings briefly. And I remember that being one of the most challenging things for me at the time was not getting to be there during the morning. And it was something that I more or less had to learn to cope with. And obviously I'm not doing mornings now, so it's a non-issue. Um, but that is one of the crazier parts of our hours is that you're not a nine to five by any
1: means. Yeah. No, it's like it's random hours. Yeah. It's completely random
0: hours because then that doesn't account for the weekend gigs or the after hours gigs or yep. the broadcast here, broadcast there, podcast here, podcast there. Um, <laughs> yep. What has it been like being a stepmom? Because I actually have not talked to anybody yet that has been a stepmom. But I mean, you came in and clearly your stepson was eight. So I mean, he had a well established life with his dad and everything. And then now you've been around in the last four years. How has that gone for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's been – I've been really lucky that Dylan is such a, a, a good kid. I, I will say we had a unique situation in general because Jake was never, like, with Dylan's mom. So Dylan didn't grow up with that uh, – his parents together, basically. And so I think a lot of the time when you come into – as a step-parent, you'll come into a lot of old feelings from – uh Whether it was the dad or the mom. So there are still those feelings. And then you also have the kid that's like, I want my parents back together. So I think I came into the best possible situation where Dylan never knew them together. So it wasn't like, why are you taking the role of my mom? It was never like that. He just was like, cool, I have a new person in my life. And uh, there were no feelings of... There were no weird, like, why is she texting you or why? You know what I mean? None of that. So it was, I got very lucky. So what I really wanted to do was respect his mom because I wasn't a parent, but I could only imagine that that must be a little bit weird and difficult. And then add that to a different level of someone on the radio who could then talk about your kid. That's, you know, uh, like, I think I would be weirded out by that. So it was really I really, really tried to be respectful and just never do anything that would cross the line or make her uncomfortable. Uh, Anything that I did, I would be like, hey, can you text her just to make sure this is okay? And he'd be like, what? It is fine. I'm his dad. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, please just do it. And and that's how we started things. And I think there probably was a brief moment where she got upset over something. But I think she just had to adjust to a new woman being in uh, his life. But I, you know, we had a very quick text conversation one day where I was like, hey, I just so you know, I'm never going to try to be Dylan's mom. I just want to be someone who's on Dylan's team. And like, and she got that. And she was like, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And from that point forward, we've never had any issues. Jake will ask my opinion on things dealing with Dylan. Like, how would you handle this or how? Because So he's really respectful and includes me. But also... At the end of the day it's his and Dylan's mom's decision uh on what they do with him but he does include me so I really appreciate that and Dylan's just a great kid at this point he treats me the same way he treats his parents you know I annoy him I embarrass him and <laughs> I'm very I'm very honored to do all of those things I think I actually am worse probably than his parents cuz I try to overly annoy him and Jake actually says Dylan and I are more alike than he and Dylan are because Dylan and I think we're right about everything. So we get into arguments over the dumbest things and neither of us will back down. And Jake is like, okay, you two, Fallon, he is 12. Dylan, just stop. You know, it's so we're ridiculous, honestly.
0: That I love what you said about, I'm not trying to be your mom. I'm just trying to be someone on his team to show that. I think that is a, an amazing way to show that a, I support this child who's now in my life on a daily basis. But at the same time, I respect that you and Jake are the ones that make calling the shots. Yeah. Because I mean, I do agree with you. I, I obviously am not a step parent and I don't know what it's like to be in that situation, but I can imagine being the mom in that situation going, Hey, you're in my territory. That's my kid. Um, I, the mama bear instincts flaring up. So to know yep. that like mama bear doesn't have a threat there. Um, I think it's very lucky for you that you obviously never had any drama in that camp.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Very lucky so, for sure.
0: It makes me laugh. My nephew is 12 and I often, he thinks he's right a lot of the times too. And <laughs> I find myself also getting in arguments with him and I'm like, "Um, you are 12. Please stop. I am far <laughs> older than you. Respect your elder. And then I, I find myself feeling super old. <laughs> How did oh, Dylan react to the baby coming into
1: the picture? I think, well, it was funny and cute. So he was like, Hoping we were gonna say because we're like we are going, and he was like oh, to Disney World, and we're like no to have a baby, and he's like oh, I'd rather go to Disney, you know. So, <laughs> uh, I don't blame him. I would rather have gone to Disney at his age too. So he is. I, I think it, his funniest thing he said was to his grandma. She picked him up from school one day, and he's like. I mean, I'm happy they're having a baby. But, like, could they have had one closer to my age so I could have played with it? And – which is laughable, obviously, because Jake and I were not together then. And he is in – so his mom has another kid. So his sister, she's a freshman in college. So Dylan is truly in this middle ground of having a sister that's way older than him and a sister that's way younger than him. So he's never had a sibling to actually play with. So – it's kind of funny and I don't know, but he is so great if we're like, hey, Dylan, watch her for a second while we go outside and plant a peony. This just happened. That's the only reason a random planting of a peony came to mind. Um, he'll be like, all right. And like, you know, and he's so, he's always been like, I noticed so good with kids. If you go to like a family wedding or something, he'll be with like the one-year-olds and he's so sweet to them, and he'll play with them. And so I always just knew he'll be a really good big brother and he really has been.
0: That you know, what's funny is my kids, when obviously they're much younger than he is, but when the baby was born, they were both, my son's literal first reaction to it was, I'm not going to like it when the baby cries, am I? And I was like, buddy, no one is. Um, (laughs) That's so true. The day she was born, the kids are in the hospital and they were like, when is she going to crawl? And I was like, (laughs) she was born like five hours ago. What do you mean? When is she going to crawl? And they were like, well, when can we play with her? When is she going to like do stuff? And I was like, oh, oh my God. have been up for a long time. Yeah. Now they can play with her some. And she they play peekaboo. And she thinks they're the most hilarious humans in the house. So like now they... My, my daughter has been an amazing big sister the entire time. Because it was like a baby doll type of concept. But my son uh-huh. now now that she's interactive, he's like, all right, I'm on board with this. This is fun. It's not that he didn't yeah. like it. He was just kind of like, mommy's got the baby. I'm going to go over here and play. So it is very funny that the first reactions, no matter what the age is to you're having a baby. How do you feel about this? What can I, do? and then their reaction is, what can I do with it? As if you were going to give <laughs> give birth to a 10 year old instead. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he had someone to play with. I love yes. that so much. you you've really done such an amazing job and I'm so glad that you and I have maintained our friendship now since for 15 years, which is weird. Um, but watching you go through your career as my friend and then as a mentor and now fellow moms together in this crazy industry, fellow females together in this industry, you really are quite the example from anyone listening to you that also looks up to you. And I just wanted to say that, I mean, as stupid as it sounds like, I'm so proud to call you my friend. Um, to yeah. see where you've come from and where you've gone and where I know you're gonna go.
1: So thank you so much for being a part of that mom life today. Wow. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I think this is such an amazing platform you're giving women and uh, I am so thankful for our friendship. It's helped me grow and I've learned so many things from you as well. So, um, you're, you're just the light and I think people know that about you. You just have such a positive, great energy to you. So I hope everyone that listens to, to you knows how lucky they are to have you. And, mm. uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.